Hello, beautiful, and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co, and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, Finding Fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding Fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family just by being here with me listening to this podcast you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true let's do this together beautiful. I hope you are well today. I had another DM that I wanted to come on and talk live about to you guys and hopefully really really get you thinking about the importance of noticing all of your little warning symptoms or little warning signs that might be related to your fertility. This particular lovely lady is just at the beginning of her journey trying to conceive and what she's now noticing is that there is not a menstrual cycle she has had one menstrual cycle in five months and she's wondering if she's overreacting and if she should go to the doctor to get this checked out or if this is just like normal and if I get angry or like sarcastic it's definitely not at the lady who asked this question or anyone in this community it's more of my frustration of the education level and the awareness that we have been taught as women of what's normal and what's not normal I grew up in the 80s and 90s showing my age here and I would assume is quite similar in most places in America but our education about how a woman's body functions and what is normal is pretty low. So if you are just at the beginning of your journey, the first thing you do is really start tracking your cycles, right? And if you're seeing that your cycles are irregular, you know, not there at all, this is a huge, like a huge spotlight that there is something really going on. I don't want to say wrong or incorrect. It's not normal. And it is a big thing. Even if you're not trying to conceive, I know many of us in maybe our late teens and our early 20s were on the pill and avoided our cycle altogether. And, you know, not having a cycle sometimes is convenient. And when you start trying to conceive, it kind of pops up going, okay, actually, I need my cycle. You really need your cycle. Not only to have a baby, but to be healthy, have, you know, healthy hormones. So if you see anything off about your period, and what I mean when I say off is like, it's not there, or it's really irregular, this is a big sign that your health is probably not anywhere where it should be to maintain a healthy, normal cycle. Now we're all different, so don't get caught up on, I ovulate on day 14 and I should have my period on day 28. 
That's not how it works. We need to monitor ourselves and find what our flow is. And as long as you are within a few days each month of each other's, like sometimes I would have like a day 28 period and sometimes I would have like 31 days. So that is perfectly normal for you. And so when you are tracking your your cycles, you want to see a normal pattern over three, four, five month period. If you have a normal pattern for you and you are able to pinpoint ovulation within that normal pattern, then that's a really good sign that things are working working uh, well well enough to keep you regular. Now in saying that, I always had regular periods, but I wasn't getting pregnant. So for me, my periods weren't necessarily a sign that things were off. I was normal and healthy in that sense. Now wasn't now what wasn't normal and healthy about my periods was I was having all sorts of type of normal PMS symptoms. So I got sore boobs, I got cramping before my period even started, (laughs) obviously mood swings. So those things were taught are really normal. That's just life. I think people who deal with endometriosis even have it worse. And they are told, especially if their mother or their grandmother had it, that this is a normal thing that we women deal with. And the fact of the matter is it's not, it is not normal to have really severe heavy symptoms symptoms like that. So you really want to tune in to your body and what it's doing. So if you are not even cycling or say you're not having normal cycles for you, then that's when you want to start doing investigation with your doctor. You might want to investigate if you have PCOS. Also, if you're dealing with weight issues. And when I say weight issues, that's your own personal weight issues, right? We're not comparing ourselves. We don't need to be a size zero. We want to be a healthy weight for us. So our height, our our build. But if you know, if you deep down know that you're carrying a lot of extra pounds, not saying 20, 30, 40, like 50 plus. This is to me, another symptom that things aren't right. So when your inflammation is high, it gets expressed in different ways in everyone's body. And that's what your genetics come down to. So for me, I wasn't experiencing weight issues because genetically I'm prone not to show that stuff. I'm one of those skinny bitches that (laughs) I guess got lucky that weight wasn't an issue. But once again, being normal or like walking into a doctor's office and they don't judge you because let's let's face it, most doctors you walk in and they definitely judge you, you know, they would look at you and go, well, there's nothing wrong with you. So I have a question, are black periods normal to have monthly? I would say no. I I think if you're having black blood, no, that's not normal. I would say no. When we're dealing with normal issues, right? Or we think we shouldn't be concerned about those issues because our doctors have told us like, no, that's just normal. Like every woman goes through that. I'm calling BS. Like it's bullshit. It's not normal. Normal is having a healthy flow that is regular for you every single month. You want to see if you can predict ovulation and there's tests out there that you can now confirm you're having healthy ovulation. It's a test called PROVE, P-R-O-O-V. So that is a more important thing to know than if you're going to ovulate. So the LH surge is like to say, okay, you're about to ovulate. 
but you want to confirm that you're having healthy hormones through that second phase, which is super important to egg quality, uterine lining, and maintaining the pregnancy. So if you don't have those healthy hormones, the chances of you maintaining that pregnancy just decreases in time. So what can you do? Yes, go to your doctor, seek out some assistance, get some testing done, um, hormone testing. But what many of us don't do is that we don't stop and kind of look at ourselves and see that there might be things that we're doing that is having a really big effect on our fertility health. The top three things that you can do is find your food intolerances. So you need to get on the right diet for you. Now, there's no perfect fertility diet out there. There's, you know, you cannot pick up a book and <laughs> for most people can't just pick up a book and follow something and that's perfect. Great. I've fixed my fertility. You really need to get down if you're dealing with real big fertility issues to what foods are inflammatory to you. So elimination diet is the cheapest, easiest way to do that. And so what you do is you start where you're at. So if you have never done any food changes in conjunction with your health or with your fertility health, I recommend you start really slowly. So that's like with one or two different types of food. The top five food sensitivities are gluten, corn, sugar, soy, and dairy. For most of us, those top five is in almost everything we eat. So when you're changing things up, you definitely don't want to just overload yourself with, you know, too many new things in your life. You really want to take it slow and figure out slowly which ones are your intolerances because we're not not all of us are intolerant to all five and therefore have to live off of these things forever but we really want to narrow down which ones are so you can have a sugar intolerance but sugar's on there more so because you're probably having more than your daily recommendation so a daily recommendation is around 25 grams of sugar a day and that includes your fructose so your fruit is added into the amount of sugar. So I know in my own personal journey, I was eating a lot of fruit. So I wasn't having candy bars, but I was having a lot of fruit thinking I was healthy. I was having a lot of canned sauces. I was having a lot of like nutritious bars, you know, the easy grab go bars. And then when you really start looking at the labels and adding all that up, I was probably having, you know, 50 to 60 grams a day and then throw on the alcohol on top of that. So when you do the elimination diet, definitely start where you are. If you've already, you know, played around with um, eliminating some of those, just add other ones on. And you want to do that for an extended period of time. I think the minimum is maybe 10 days, maybe 14 days. But I really feel if you give it 30 days, your body has time to really detox. So when you reintroduce, you know, like bread or dairy, your body really has time to let you know, like, no, good, I don't like this. And when you're reintroducing things, you're just looking for normal health issues. So infertility is the big shining light, right? Like that's our major issue that we focus on. But when we break it down into 
are normal health symptoms, it's easier to grasp at whether or not diet is working for us, whether or not we need to stay off gluten, whether or not we need to stay off dairy, or if you need to go even further than that. So I was on a paleo diet for over a year. That diet was amazing. You could not fault it. But what I didn't realize is that I was still eating foods that I was highly intolerant to. I had an autoimmune issue that I didn't realize for a really long time. And things like tomatoes, paprika, potatoes, bell peppers were really inflammatory for me. So it was still raising my natural killer cells and therefore lowering my egg quality. And the one of the main things it was doing, it wasn't allowing the embryos to attach and keep developing. It would attack those embryos. When you're dealing with these normal health issues or you're not seeing your period or there's not a good flow or you're bloated, you have diarrhea, constipation, you have skin issues, you have mood issues, you have crazy anxiety, anxiety, what's mostly likely happening is there's just so much inflammation in your body. It all stems from the gut because if you really start thinking about it, even if you take a supplement, where does that supplement have to go? Your gut takes care of it. It takes what it needs out and then it directs it. You know, your body naturally directs it to where you want it to go. And so it does the same thing with your food. And when you're having foods that you're intolerant to, it's basically just like getting punched in the face or like, scratching at a cut on your arm. It's not allowing your body to heal because your body's always trying to heal. Your gut is like a different gut every like seven to eight days. So it's really important that when you feel like you've nailed down at least like 80% of your food intolerances that you keep going. So it's not an overnight success, depending on how deep your root cause is and your genetics is all going to play into how long you need to keep up this diet to see the results that you want to see. And that's why it's really important because the result we really want is a pregnancy and For most people, that's unfortunately the last thing that falls into place. So writing a list of all your other normal health issues or the common ones and seeing those improve will help you keep going with the new diet that you want to do. And this is all laid out in the fertility food program to help and guide you do all these things in the comfort of your home. So test for food sensitivities. I run the MRT Leap 170. And so this is kind of more of a costly test, but it tests for two different types types of food sensitivities. So food sensitivity tests that you can pick up at like Target or get offline only test for IgG. And because there's two different food reactions, you can get that test back. It can show up that you're intolerant to a few different things, but say it doesn't say you're intolerant to, but you know that when you eat dairy, you get bloated or have stinky farts or you get like massive acne or you know you know that you're not good on it it's just because that test didn't test the reaction you have to that food also i want to say with food sensitivity tests that there's not one test out there that's 100% accurate so even though it's a really good guide and it might pick up some foods that you might never suspect that you're intolerant to, you still have to listen to your body. And that's with every test result out there. Test results are literally a snapshot in time, and they can collect some really important data for us and really give us some good guidelines to where to go. 
but our bodies aren't set in stone and our bodies change like every minute. I mean, every second, but like to be less dramatic, <laughs> like every day is different, right? You don't feel the same every single day. So depending on how you were feeling that day and you got the test results or especially with the food sensitivity test, the one that only does IgG, depending how much of that food you've eaten in the last, let's say like seven days could have an effect on those test results. So if you're wanting a food sensitivity test, I would definitely recommend investing, paying a little little bit more and then getting that guideline. And then when I work with one-on-one -on -one clients and they want a food sensitivity test, we do that. But I also have a thorough intake process where I really get to know your endocrine system, like everything in your body. And then we kind of put that all together and we make a plan from there of what kind of diet you should go on. So using tests as a guideline and not like a set in stone type of thing. What is the name of the test again? It's called the MRT Leap 170. We're going to end today's podcast right here and continue on next week with more of a Q&A. Remember, if you have any questions that you would like answered on this podcast, please reach out on DMs or on the email, monica at findingfertility.co. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.